Red five. I'm still alive. The question is, oh, what kind of bork are you going to be today? Are you going to be a loud bork? Or are you going to be a quiet bork? Or while I'm recording the podcast, hopefully a no bork. We're just going to lay there and be real quiet. We're going to be awesome. We may even throw a few pieces of tissue your way because you love to tear up the tissues. Freaking Bob Barker. That's our dog, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. How you doing? Welcome back to Heine House Gaming and Tech Podcast. It's good to see you all. Thanks for being here. Episode 55, I'm still alive. Where's Where's my Becky? Wait, where's Becky? Let, let me smash. There she goes. Please. Steph gave me another great comment. We're, we have a mic on order for her, by the way. Just so everyone knows. We got some great feedback. Basically, everyone's saying, replace Jason. Get him the fuck out of there. <laughs> no, thanks for being here, folks. It's good to see you all. Heinehouse.com, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere else, at Heinehouse. You guys know the drill. Discord, we're keeping it real. It's hot and heavy. Much love. Uh, listen to me everywhere on your smart device. We talked about this last time. Cool stuff on the, the smart devices, the Amazon device, the Google A devices. And also in the car, if you have a, uh, a vehicle, and one of them new vehicles, you know, one of, the, one of them new ones within the last, I don't know, five years, maybe he got one of them equipped with Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. Are you in the car? Take me with you in the car. I love rides. I love going for the rides in the car. So love to be there. Uh, we're going to talk about some gaming, talk about some tech. We have uh, three great voicemails at the end of the show we're going to get to. Got gaming history coming up and uh, some random news to start the show. Pac-Man turns 40. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, that's what it makes, right? Something like that. When you eat the ghosts. Pretty good. Um, I'm gonna t I want to just tell a story. Let's go right into story time. I remember when I first played Pac-Man. In fact, it wasn't in the arcades uh, back in the 80s. The first time I played Pac-Man was on my Atari 2600 with Ms. Pac-Man. Played that game a lot. And this is back in the 80s when, of course, we didn't, we didn't have the gaming that we have today. We had one cartridge and... We played that shit on our wooden case, wooden encased TV with a speaker on the side and the little knob to try to, you know, get channel three working right. And, oh my gosh, it takes us back. Um, but I remember playing that and being very, very much mesmerized by that. Of course, a joystick being finicky at the time, you know, sometimes doesn't, you know, get your inputs all, all correct. But, you know, we don't know any different. We're playing, we're having a great time. So there we are. Playing Pac Man, Ms. Pac Man, and what a blast. I just, the music. I can hear it. It's like that is like a certain sound that is etched into my DNA because it's one of the very first, earliest video games other than Pong and Combat. There was a whole bunch on 2600 that were early. Defender, holy shit. Defender, Night Driver. So good. So many great games. But. 
I love that game so much. I remember going to Sears with my dad. He took us to Sears. We went in and bought another joystick. I remember that. We actually, it was, um, it was called the, I think it was called the Gemtech, G-E-M-T-E-K, Gemtech, I think. Are they, you guys know what I'm talking about. It was a joystick with a, a yellow button on it, on the top. It was not, it was an aftermarket, right? It was third party and it was okay. It wasn't bad. We used it. We used the crap out of it actually uh, for combat and stuff like that, multiplayer games. But the story goes like this. Loved Ms. Pac-Man so much. In fact, it was so great that I wanted the next game. Now, I didn't know, like, the chronological order of when these games came out, right? I didn't have magazines to look at. I didn't have the internet. We didn't have all this stuff. I just was like, there's another Pac-Man game. And I remember my dad being like, yeah, it's another Pac-Man game. And this was a big deal because... We, for some reason, and I don't know why we didn't, maybe they were out of stock or maybe it sold. I don't know what the deal was. I'd have to ask him. But we did not go to Sears where we usually went, which uh, Sears was a, they had a huge electronics department and t- they were a dealer, right? They had all kinds of stuff. We didn't go to Sears to buy it. We, in fact, ordered it uh, via phone and it was shipped to us. Okay. This is pre-internet days. And I, and I just remember, I feel like I waited for like a year for this game. It was only like a week. But as a kid, I, I felt like I'm waiting so long for this game. It's crazy. And the anticipation was just building. And, and Ms. Pac-Man is such an amazing game. I cannot wait for, in my eyes, I'm like, this is the sequel. This is the sequel. You know, this is going to be bigger and better and awesome. I remember it standing on top of our stairs, looking outside and seeing the brown UPS truck pull up in front of our house. And I just thought, holy shit, somebody is here. And it's this delivery person who is bringing the most amazing thing to the house. And uh, I really, this is probably the first time I ever saw UPS deliver something. To be honest, it was it was delivering Pac-Man. And I just remember running down the stairs. It was like slow motion, like and I'm running and the UPS man is like, here you go. And I was just like, ah, like I was like running through the finish line, you know, like chest out, eyes closed. Ah, you know? Yeah. In my head, that's what it looked like. It was basically like, here you go, you little shit. And he just threw it at me. (laughs) No, he didn't do that either. But so anyway, the, uh, we didn't even wait for the door to ring. Fuck. I opened that door. I was just like, yeah, and and I remember him came up. He came up the stairs, and he was like, "Wow, you've been been waiting on this one, huh?" And I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." And I just remember my dad being like, "Thank you," and I was like, "Thank you." And he just he went off, you know. He's just trying to get through his day, you know, trying to get home to his family. But we got the game, and I remember now. Remember twenty six hundred? Actually, I have. Uh, oh, it's stuck in there. I'm not going to pull it out, and I'll probably destroy my whole display here. But I have a twenty six hundred, couple twenty six hundred games in box over here, and the boxes were pretty big. They're actually much, much bigger than NES carts or Super Nintendo. They're they're a pretty good sized box. They're actually bigger than even a clamshell case. Um, so the box, you know, was a good sized box. And I just remember tearing that open, you know, the 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 shipping box, and then pulling it out, and then there is Pac Man. It's a Pac Man, and it was like yes, amazing. And I just remember opening the box, pulling the game out and going over to my 2600 that's right there on the floor and the very typical typical thing where we're sitting on the on the ground on our stomach with the controller in our hand 
like three inches from the TV. We're just right there. Pop it in, turn it on. And I hit start and I start playing Pac-Man. And I'm in pure bliss for about the first 10 seconds. And then it hits me. It hits me. Folks, this was the very first time, the very first time I experienced the biggest video game letdown. And in fact, this has to still be one of the most memorable and most epic video game letdowns in history. Not just for me. Anyone else has played? Have you played Pac-Man? Have you played the original Pac-Man on 2600? Were you a child in the 80s? Did you experience this? I want to hear. If you have, I want you to uh, call me and let me know. I want to hear your story about it. Would love to know. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's an opportunity for the phone number. 503-908-5490. Or record yourself and email it to HeineHouseLive at Gmail. There's the opportunity for that. The thing is, is the game is the most terrible game I've ever played. Pac-Man, it, it's It's terrible. It looks horrible. It sounds way worse than Ms. Pac-Man. And not only that, like the sprites disappear. You can't even fucking see the ghosts that well. They disappear. I don't know how they make it worse. Oh, they're ghosts, she said. I mean, that makes sense, right? Maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe it was a maybe it was a likely excuse. A likely excuse. No, but the game is terrible. And come to find out down the road that it was rushed. Uh, again, like a lot of, well, not a lot of, but a majority of 2,600 games back in the day, they were kind of rushed. Activision employees from back in the day have gone on since and talked about this, how they've had to rush games and this and that. But it was just a god-awful mess. And you guys know what I'm talking about if you play the original Pac-Man. And boy, was I let down. I'm Look at me. Look at me. I just told the fucking story of it. I'm still scarred from it. I remember it very vividly. It was a, a magical moment in my life, in my gaming, my early gaming years. So uh, with that... Hey, Pac-Man, happy fucking birthday to you, bud. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> you fucker. Let's talk about some other random news. Michael Jordan's, the, the 1985 Jordan Air 1s have sold at auction for a record-breaking price. A pair of Michael Jordan's game-worn shoes from 1985 sold for more than three times the estimated auction price on Sunday, last Sunday. Breaking the world auction record for sneakers. Wow. 10 bidders from across the globe competed for the basketball legends autographed Nike Air Jordan 1s uh, before the online auction closed. It was at $560,000. Following a bid war that drove value up by about 300000 within the last 20 minutes. That's the bid war, baby. The pair achieved more than three and a half times their original estimated value. The uh, Nike Airs were worn exclusively by Jordan and made specifically for him in 1985. They featured red laces instead of the black and white. And these were produced between February and April of 1985. Jordan, he wore the present shoes that were auctioned off during a very early and pivotal, pivotal, pivotal point in his career. Thus, catapulting the sneakers' popularity at the time. Jordan wore mismatched shoes most of his career, a 13, size 13 on the left, and a size 13 and a half on the right, which is what these shoes are. The right shoe features Jordan's signature and permanent marker. 
And I have a, a picture of them. So you can see right there. Very nice. There they are. And in fact, from what I understand, if my memory serves me right, I don't even think Nike sold high tops at that time. Weren't they just low? Just low tops, I think. So this was this was a shoe that was really groundbreaking for the time. I could be wrong. I'm not a I used to be really into basketball. I used to play a lot and know a lot and had posters all over my walls, but I don't really remember exactly. I just I think that shoe wasn't it wasn't even uh like mass produced. Not not the Jordan ones, but like basketball shoes in general. From what I understand. But what the hell do I know? What do I know? I just work here. Uh, let's jump into some gaming news. That was a little just randomness and story time. Gaming news. Well, speaking of Pac-Man, happy birthday again. Yo, round blob. Speaking of Pac-Man, NVIDIA has recreated... <laughs> hopefully it'll be better. Has recreated Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man, I guess. Let's see, is it Ms. Pac-Man? I guess it's just Pac-Man. I don't see a little bow. So it's Pac-Man using nothing but AI. Their artificial intelligence. Not only that, they've recreated it by having their artificial intelligence do no coding whatsoever, but only watch it, watch gameplay footage, and then recreate it based off that. It's real. It's real. Uh, there's no coding involved, no pre-rendered images for the software to draw on. The AI model is simply fed visual data of the game in action along with accompanying controller inputs and then it recreates frame by frame this information resulting the resulting game is playable by humans and nvidia says it will be releasing it online in the near future the image of it is blurry and it doesn't seem like the ai managed to capture the exact behavior of the game's ghosts if you remember each of those ghosts were programmed very specifically uh with their movements uh because each ghost has their own name and also their own type of personality but the basic dynamics of Pac-Man are still there. Eat pellets, avoid ghosts, and try not to die. Uh, NVIDIA says it learns all these things by just simply watching it. I have a screenshot of it. It's not great. It's pretty blurry from what everyone, you know, has everyone has said. But reality is, is that it's there and it recreated it. No coding, no drawing. It's just watching it, learning it, recreating it. NVIDIA is making big steps. NVIDIA is doing a lot of things, especially with AI. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes as well with NVIDIA, especially with their autonomous stuff. Uh, they're working with a company called Too Simple, and they're working on autonomous semi-trucks currently. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff happening there. But, hey, that looks cool. That looks, I mean, think about it, dude. Think about it. AI? They're just using AI to do this? It's nuts. Um, who's going to blink first? Do you think Sony or Microsoft? I'm talking about the pricing release of these consoles. I wanted to bring this up because the, no one has announced it yet. They're, they're basically waiting for each other to blink. They're waiting for one or the other to announce so that then they can reconfigure and come in and undercut. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And I find it strange, though, because... You feel like after all these years, Microsoft and Sony would understand and know what the pricing of their competition would be. But reality is, is that they just don't know. They just do not know. And so that's why we do not have a, a price reveal. It's just not happening. Um, but 
If you remember back in 2013, do you remember that incident where <laughs> Sony's PS4 pricing undercut Xbox One by 100 bucks a day later? Yeah, that really happened. So they're just waiting. They're waiting for someone to blink and then they're going to just fucking swoop in and be like, yeah, we're 100 bucks cheaper. But I, I honestly, what's crazy to me though is that that may have been just a lucky thing Right for Sony to announce they're a hundred bucks cheaper. That may have been just a lucky thing, because think about it: if Microsoft today announces, all right, the X, the Series X is is four ninety nine or three ninety nine, whatever. Let's just say four ninety nine. And then the next day, Sony comes out and be like, "Yeah, well, ours are two ninety nine. Like that is a you know that's a that's a big difference. That's a big jump. Even if, even a hundred dollars is a big jump. Even fifty dollars is a big jump. But what I'm saying is they can afford to do something like this because nothing has been announced. No stores have that data. Like everything can be changed. It's all dynamic still, right? So they could like pull like emergency lever one-on-one, like, like we need to change our pricing to 50 bucks cheaper. Now, the moment they announce we are 50 bucks cheaper, we're a hundred bucks cheaper. We need to undercut. And I think, I think Sony is prepared to do something strange for a piece of change. You know what I mean? I really do. They've done it in the past. But uh, yeah, and, and, and Microsoft kind of stands firm on their their beliefs of like, you know, hey, we're, look, that's great and everything, but we're here, we're, we're going to be buying up all these indie developers and we're creating a, uh, a Disney world for ourselves. You know what I mean? That's happening. It's really happening. It's an interesting time for gaming for sure. Isn't it? Doesn't it feel interesting? In a way, this is a very interesting topic. In a way, and I was talking about this with Steph, and we talked about this with my friend Bido. In a way, I kind of feel like I haven't been extremely hyped about any game in probably the last at least like couple of years. It's been not not that like I'm gaming is dead or that I'm not excited about it or that I'm I don't want to play, but what I find is I go back, I'm going back to retro games or games at 10 years or more old. And finding enjoyment playing those more than anything that's coming out today. I'm finding it's, I don't know. Steph goes, do you think we'll have another crash? Like video game crash? I'm like, no, I don't think we're going to have another crash. But I do think that we are in sort of a slump right now. This is very typical though. This happens every time we have video game console releases, right? There is definitely a slump. Developers are pushed. Like this makes sense. It makes sense. But... I do feel that the last couple of years have kind of been meh, kind of meh, right? Is it just me? I mean, there are there are definitely are standout games and some incredible things that have happened. You know, we've got lots, you know, games that have come out. But in general, it's kind of been hmm, mediocre, lukewarm. That's just my opinion. That's just what I feel. And I and I and I think it's because we have the, the introduction of new consoles coming out. And we have, obviously, our world is different with, with COVID happening and all this sort of thing. The world is changing. Things are different. And I just feel that the thought process, the mentality of some of the stuff is a little different right now. And I think developers um, are also kind of being not risky anymore. They're kind of playing it safe. When, when you are risky and it doesn't go well, it shuts down your entire fucking studio. Right? It's kind of crazy. So, yeah. But uh, interesting topic there. Like, are we in a slump? We are kind of in a slump, I feel. Um, 
But if you are in a slump and you're looking for, you know, some extra help, maybe you need to find a sugar daddy. That got a giggle. That got a giggle over here. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait to get her mic going. She said she's still trying to find one. I told you tunnel and funnel. If you could find another guy, please get in there with him. This is our, this is our role. This is the role I've had from day one. I told her from the day I met her, this is what we need to do. Find yourself a sugar daddy. All right. Meet him. I mean, don't love him, but you know, but you know, make him, make him feel like you love him. Make him feel special. You know, like an Animal Crossing sugar daddy. Get that money, tunnel it, and funnel it back to me. Right over here. We'll, we'll, then we'll reconvene in the Bahamas in a couple years. Perfect. That's our plan. Still hasn't happened. Tunnel. It's called tunnel and funnel. You can take that with you if you need it. Tunnel and funnel. You can take that. Speaking of sugar daddies, here's what's going on. The King's Tab. This is a new website we haven't heard of which I will give Steph credit. She found this article. Of course she did. Of course she did. The King's Tab spoke to several sugar babies who are making bells. And truth be told, they're living in total island luxury because of it. Dead serious here. Sugar babies exist on Animal Crossing and not a, you send me feet pics and I'll PayPal you while we play Animal Crossing, even though that probably happens. What I mean is that they are exchanging bells and sometimes items, furniture, gifts, whatnot, for each other's company or one person's company. So this, this website, King's Tab, interviewed a bunch of sugar babies. These are, these are women who go in and look for men who have a lot of bells and or want company, and they go in and give them their company in exchange for gifts bells, stuff like that. And they get rich doing it in game. One sugar baby said, he asked for nothing in return. He is in love with me. He's happy to do it. A sugar baby told the King's Tab, sometimes I allow him to be in my presence so he can compliment me and give me more things. Fucking... Stop, 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 stop. It's get get some 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 help. Get some help. Get some help. Get some help. But how exactly do the relationships work? More importantly, how do they become such a successful sugar baby? One sugar baby tells that they caught a sugar daddy. There's there's an angry bork. See, it's an angry bork. I was wondering at the beginning of the show, what kind of bork will we have today? A loud bork or non, non-bork? Well, we got a loud bork. One sugar baby says they caught their sugar daddy just by posting about their experience with the game on social media. Quote, I made a tweet saying, bells are hard. And Tom Nook is a greedy crook. So somebody came through and offered her bells because they made a lot of them in the turnip stocks, evidently. Since being approached by the sugar daddy, this person wanted to remain anonymous, by the way. Since being approached by the sugar daddy, they now meet on each other's islands twice a week where he gives her bells, fruits, furniture, and materials like iron nuggets and wood when she's running low. How the fuck do you run low on wood and iron nuggets? It's plentiful on the island. That's just being lazy. I'm running low on wood. 
Where do I find it? <clears throat> let me get my let me get my thing. On the fucking trees. Just letting you know. Another player who also wished to remain anonymous also met her sugar daddy over social media, getting a direct message from him, quote, cause he saw me and said I was pretty. All right. All right. That's it. Whoop. That's it. Podcast is over. Show is done. Thanks for listening. You gotta, you gotta be kidding. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me because I just have to reread this slowly again to make sure I comprehend this. Because he saw me and said I was pretty. Her sugar daddy now sends me everything I ask for, everything I need, clothes, money, fruit, end quote. The Animal Crossing characters, okay, I'm going to say it. This is fucking ridiculous. Do I really have to say this? Hey, you look pretty. Okay. The Animal Crossing characters all look the same. <laughs> Take that back. Okay, cosmetically, you can change them with like hats and outfits. Don't they look the same though? Yeah. If I come up to your character and I'm like, you know, and I say, you, oh, yeah, you look pretty, you know, but I'm commenting on. OK, OK, I see where they're going with it. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong. Then they're talking about maybe the outfit. It doesn't specifically say that it says he saw me and said I looked pretty. Like in Animal Crossing. How would you take that? That's saw a picture of her on Twitter or something. Or May, maybe he saw a picture of her on. Okay. Maybe. Okay. I'm thinking oh, I'm <laughs> tripping because I'm thinking that he's talking about Animal Crossing. I'm like, all the characters look the same. And I just don't even want to. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a DM on, on social media, which is even more ridiculous because, I mean, how many times, how many, how many times do these people get DMs about how pretty they are, you know, like it's a flood of them. Yeah, you look really pretty. Oh, by the way, I'll buy you anything on animal droppings because I have four billion bells. I have Tom Nook in my uh, palm of my hand, in the claw of his hand, on the, on the Nook phone. I've got him on my DMs. Jeez. Uh, I don't know, dudes. Can I just have a one-on-one -on -one with the guys? Quit being thirsty for these thoughts, dude. Stop it. Get some help. Stop it. Get some help. Okay. Last of Us. There's a Last of Us themed PS4 launching alongside the game. Launching alongside the game June 19th, the collection will include a PS4 Pro with a controller, a Seagate 2 terabyte hard drive, and a wireless headset. 
A PS4 Pro bundle will include the controller, a copy of the game, and a code to redeem digital content, some extra DLC stuff. Uh, it's going to retail at 400 bucks. The controller will be sold separately at 65 bucks. The headset in a classy black and red finish will sell for 100 bucks. And the slightly less understated Seagate 2 terabyte game hard drive will retail for 90 bucks. I have some screenshots for everyone to take a look at. It's actually pretty nice looking, to be honest. I think it's modeled after the tattoos. Isn't it? I think it is. Very, very nice. Controller, meh, okay. Okay. Headset, meh, okay. But the console, pretty pretty cool. I kind of like that. I mean, it's it's amazing that the hard drive has the most branding on it. It says Last of Us Part 2 right there on it. So that's pretty cool if you're into that sort of thing. I mean, I can't I can't complain, dude. I'm the one that drove around forever trying to find the the one gigabyte Wii branded um SanDisk white SD card for my Wii in 2006. I'm that guy. So, hey, I'm down for it. Actually, folks, this is a really good time. Right now, this is a really good time. And pay attention to what's being released right now on this generation of consoles, because at the tail end of this, this is where we get bundles. They're trying to stimulate sales by giving bundles and doing cool stuff like this. Like, do you remember before the N64 went bye-bye, we got all of the fantastic consoles like those came out quite a well not quite a bit later i guess midway through but all the way till the very end i remember i remember buying my purple or i think it's called grape my grape fantastic n64 in 2000 yeah in or late 1999 at uh kmart if you can believe it i went to kmart nobody was at kmart and they had stocks them just tons of them and i remember picking up my grape one there at the tail end of um, you know, the, uh, I guess a year or two before the new consoles came out, but still, yeah. So pay attention. This is a really good time to uh, clean up on any of that stuff that comes out right now before all the really release of the new consoles. Cause yeah, they're trying to stimulate sales folks. Are, are we ready to do this this week in gaming history? It's a question. Are you ready? Whoop, whoop. You have no choice. We're going through. We're talking about games that came out in the past during this week. A lot of cool stuff that's happened. So May 24th through the end of May, May 31st. Thanks for being here, May. It's gonna be May. 1996, Metal Slug on Neo Geo. 2004, Mario vs. Danky Kang. Danky Kang on GBA. That's it for that day. That day's it. That's it, man. Metal Slug took the cake. The most beautiful, hand-drawn, gorgeous game ever made. I'll say it. It's just wonderful. Even holds up today. You could release that game today to, to a whole bunch of gamers who have... I say, a whole bunch of gamers who've never played games. <laughs> to a whole bunch of people who have never played games. And they'd be like, damn, this looks really nice. It's that good. But you guys know that. May 25th in 2004, River City Ransom EX on GBA. Never played that. I have to go. I have to check that out. Maybe I won't get lost in that one. I fucking get lost. I need. To, I need a guide. Somebody send me a freaking strategy guide. Where's my Nintendo Power? I can't figure that game out. Again, I'm not very smart. I can't figure that shit out. Can't do it. 2010, the amazing, underrated, understated, blur, on PC, PS3, and 360. Absolutely. 
2010s. Are you all right over there? Did you just fall off the wall? What's going on here? Foot slipped. <laughs> she really wants to play blur. That was the, her foot going down. There was a blur. In <laughs> 2010, remember this one? Mod Nation Racers on PS3. Remember that? Man, I was, that, that's the game I was super hyped for that I played. And I was like, what the fuck? That whole franchise died. died. It just died. Yeah, I agree. The whole franchise. It was, yeah, it was. And I remember, I remember thinking, this is going to be amazing. We can build our little character. We can customize everything. And they, they allowed you to like build. Couldn't you even build maps and stuff too? I think you could. I don't remember. It was pretty, pretty um, exciting. I remember playing it at PAX. Holy shit. We played it at PAX. What happened? That's a, that's a series. What the fuck happened? New video series on YouTube launching. What the fuck happened to it? Um, May 26th, 1995. Um, SimCity 2000 on Super Nintendo in Japan. 2010, Doom 2 on 360. This is in the uh, Xbox 360 arcade. Must be. And 24, actually, yeah, I remember buying that. I bought that on 360, I think. I don't know why I did that. Probably because I was just so super excited and hyped, but I'm not going to play that game with a controller. 2014's Watch Dogs on PC. How about that? Fucking flop. That's another flop. What's going on, Yubi? Where you at, Yubi? Are we gonna have the Are we gonna have the tradition of me roasting Ubisoft every episode? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I do it because I do it because I love you. Like back in the day when people used to do those parody uh, talk shit videos on you. Remember when you, people used to do that? They used to make videos and like parody and talk shit about us, but they said, "Oh, it's because we love you." Like, no, it's because you fucking hate us. What are you guys talking about? You make a video talking shit about us and like, oh, we're just roasting. It's roasting. Okay, just because Bill Burr does it doesn't mean you can fucking do it all day long too, okay? You're not as cool as Bill Burr. Stop it. Get some help. Stop it. Get some help. That was the most ridiculous shit. We had, I've had so many videos made about me, people roasting, talking shit. Just like, why? You don't love me. After that, I haven't heard from you. You don't call me anymore. I'm looking for a sugar daddy. Where's my sugar daddy? Susan. <laughs> Susan. Fuck. Where's the sugar daddies? This is a sugar baby. This is candy. I want a sugar daddy. Susan. Fuck. 1999 Dynamite Cop on Dreamcast in Japan. Same day, same year. 1999 Metal Slug X. Another beautiful one. The Metal Slug series is rocking. That's also on Neo Geo. Next day, May 28th in 1992, Kid Chameleon on Genesis. 2000's Bomberman 64. 2001, Crazy Taxi 2 on Dreamcast. Let's go make some crazy money. Also, in 2001, Tokyo Extreme Racer 0 on PS2. And in 2008, on May 28th, Mass Erect. Oh, sorry, that got another giggle. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going for. Mass Erect 1. The first one on PC. Mass Effect. Great game. Steph loves well, Steph loves playing that Mass Erect. <laughs> Susan. Don't look over here, Susan. May 29th in 2007. My second favorite Mario Party of all time. Yep. I'm saying it. My second favorite Mario Party 8 on the incredible Nintendo Wii. 2008 Mortal Kombat Armageddon also on Wii. 2014's Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U in Japan. 
And in 2018, Sega Genesis Collection on PS4 for a little old school retro Sega love. Moving on to the next day, May 30th in 2000, Gauntlet Legends on Dreamcast. Beautiful. Probably the best port of that. You get a four-player support right off the bat with the four controller ports, and you also get the higher-res graphics and better audio with CD, have to say. And I own that on 64. I own that on... Did they do that on PS1 as well? I feel like they did. I don't know, but I, I think the Dreamcast version is just superior. I love it. Uh, 2001, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 on Game Boy Advance. 2013's Sega Vintage Collection, Streets of Rage on 360. I put this in here because I didn't know they had Sega Vintage Collection on there. That must have also been another one in the uh, 360 uh, arcade, but it was very specific to Streets of Rage, so... And in 2014, The Forest on PC. Holy shit. I used to play that game. Actually, I used to play that game with Brandon. Brandon, do you remember playing that game, The Forest? We should go back and try to run around in there. It's probably all different now. It's like when I played Rust with Pete Dorr. We went in there like vanilla Rust early, very early. Remember we made friends with that dude in there? He was completely buck naked, but we he he needed a piece of chicken. And we went in there, and he was—he had a gun. That's all he had. He had—he had his whitey tidies and a gun. <laughs> Fuck! I gotta watch that video again. Go to, go to my YouTube channel. It's on there. Uh, Rust. I think I called it Rust Adventures with Pete Dorr. And we went in. It was Vanilla Rust. But had to have been 2014 when this came out. We played it pretty early on. And we were running around in the nighttime in the forest, and we just see this hut or this house, basically this wooden house. It was very basic, but inside, we could look through this, the, the cracks of the wall. We could see inside because it was built out of logs. And inside, we saw a fire and a dude in there sitting down. And we're like, we have, it has a proximity voice comp. So we're like, hey. I was like, hello, hello, are you there? And he's like, yeah. We heard him inside and we're like, hey, we're friendly. That's what everyone says. Then they open the door, they fucking blast them. But we really were. We're like, hey, we're not here. Like, he opened the door. It's so funny. It's all on video. The dude opened the door. And there's a fucking gun sticking out. And I turn around, Pete and I just start booking it. We're like, ah, oh, and I'm like, no, 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 we don't have a gun. Look, no gun, no gun, no gun. And we actually, I think we dropped him off some chicken for his little fire so we could eat. And we left. We left him. We were very nice. People today, when they play Rust, if you go watch Rust videos, and I have, I've gone back as, as early or as late as this year, I've even watched some. People are brutal, you know, like a game like that does not encourage any bit of team play or cooperation from anyone in the community. It's basically dog eat dog world. And that's kind of like the fun of it. But also I kind of feel like I wish it was the other way around. I really do. Like I kind of wish you would get not punished, but I wish there was some sort of system in place that discourages just running around, killing everyone, taking the base. I know, I know what you, some people who love Rust are yelling like, that's the fucking point of the game. I know that. I know that. I know that's why the game is successful. And that's why people love it. But I also feel like it would be fun to try to flip that and have some sort of like, not like happy go like, like we're all, we all live in harmony and there's flowers everywhere and we just hug each other and we eat chicken together on a fire and we sit around in our whitey tidies buck naked. I'm talking about actually creating something with randos, with just random people and actually creating like some sort of like community or base or something. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like totally random tangent here, but it would be really fun to do so. Rust was a fun, fun game. And I know it's completely different than when we played it back then. 
It's probably why we haven't gone back. Anyway, that was, I'm talking about The Forest. That was released in 2014, but Rust is also very, very good. Uh, last day, May 31st in 1997, the game Blood on PC. Love that game. It used the uh, Duke 3D build engine, if I uh, if my memory serves me right. Great game. Love that one. Um, in 1999, Ape Escape on PS1. Very popular game there. Uh, my friend Cody, that's his favorite game on PS1. I remember him telling me that. Um, Cody, if you listen, then hi. 2007, Resident Evil 4 Wii Edition in Japan. And finally, folks, on this week in gaming history, May 31st in 2016, Dead Island Definitive Edition on PS4, PC, and Xbox One. So that was this week in gaming history. Let's jump into some tech stuff. Tech news. Um, we, talk, we talk about some... It's been very, very active the last at least couple of months with like leaks um, of of data sets, of documents, of all sorts of things. This week, the original, the OG Xbox and some Windows assets and source codes were leaked online. According to The Verge, which is where we got this article from, it includes X, the Xbox dev kit. We're talking about the original OG Xbox now. Xbox dev kit um, emulators, build environments, documentation, and the kernel itself, which is probably the most important part of all of this. The kernel is what has been holding up emulation from actually working properly because nobody understands how the actual kernel works. They're trying to recreate it, and uh, they can't. Well, the kernel has leaked. This is very, very tricky because there's a lot of illegal activity going on with this, and using any of this data is extremely illegal. So this is, here we are, this like dark web shit here. But it has happened nonetheless, and I wanted to report on it because it has happened. Everyone's getting hacked. It's fucking crazy. Uh, these kinds of leaks are often, uh, often have enabled developers to create unofficial and illegal fan projects. Also helps some of the illegal um, emulation. Um, some of this data has been available within the homebrew scene for a while, but it's not clear how much of it will be moving over into the modding and emulation community. So, you know, you have people that are preserving, you have people that are doing things the right way. And then you have a whole bunch of people that are not. So it gets very, very tricky. When this stuff like this happens, we're pretty much, it's the fucking wild west of this shit now. So there's really going to be no way to control this. The people who are actually building the software, re-engineering re and building it from the ground up with their own assets, they're, they're doing it the right way. But not everyone has that same mentality. Also, an early version of the source code for Windows NT 3.5. That's a very early one. I think it was like in the mid or early 90s. Uh, that was also leaked. Now, the dump contains just about everything one would need to understand the inner workings of the system. That OS released, oh yeah, 94. Released in 1994, but it was quickly replaced by NT 3.51. So there probably aren't many people or businesses still using NT 3.5. Well, <laughs> don't hold your horses. Dude, have you walked into uh, Fry's Electronics uh, anytime? They, their fucking POS is still on DOS, bro. Have you seen that shit? Or a guitar center? You're walking to Guitar Center? Shit, last time I was in there, they're still using an old like DOS-based like, fucking 10-key, you know, clippity-clop system. So you never know. Uh so, yeah, anyway, um, Windows NT 3.5. So this leak isn't likely to become a security breach for any of that sort of thing. But you never know. Never know. 
yeah, so we will see where this goes. We will see how this plays out. Uh, gosh, there's so ma- there's been so many leaks the last just month with Nintendo and Microsoft and even Sony at, for a little bit there, including on some things. And man, this is going to this is going to stimulate a lot of things in the modding and emulation community and. I know that they say, I've said this before, but I know they say that they're not going to like use any assets, but you know, they're going to look at it. Why would they not at least just look at it? The temptation would be too much, especially if you've invested your life into like trying to, trying to build something like, you know, to emulate an OG Xbox. I've always wondered why we can't get original Xbox um, emulation on PC. I've always wondered that, you know, I'm like, Hey, the original Xbox was a modified version of, I believe, wasn't it a modified version of uh, 2000 or NT? And then it uses Direct DirectX 8, I think is what it uh, supports. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of crazy, crazy talk going on. Hey, are you sick of your uh, Joy-Con joystick? Oh, yeah, I know you are. You don't have to answer me. I already answered for you. I know you are. Well, a guy by the name of Mateo took it to another level as he was sick of his joysticks, fatigue and drift. Sounds like a personal problem. I'm just kidding. As Mateo explains in his detailed write-up, the initial inspiration for this project was to create a permanent solution to joystick fatigue and drifting issues that he's been having. He reasoned that if he removed the physical joystick completely, there would be no way for it to fail in the future. Well, smart, yeah. If you throw it in the garbage, you you no longer have it. It makes sense. Won't go, it won't go bad when it's in the garbage. <laughs> While we're not sure how many people would have taken this concept this far, you cannot argue the logic in it. He has installed a touchpad in place in replace of his Joy-Con joystick. And there's a YouTube video. You can Google this and search. There's a YouTube video, but he actually shows that, uh, yeah, it's installed and it has... The uh, the board attached to the back of the Joy-Con, and basically that's his input. It's it's like uh, if you use the uh, Steam controller, it's like a like a trackpad, basically a touchpad. So that joystick doesn't actually physically move or click. Just move your thumb on it, and uh, it uses that for input. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's kind of a shame that we have to resort to doing crazy shit like this. There was another article I didn't put it in here, but there's another article of people buying like the $20 like China Direct like replacement kits and just fixing them themselves. Even though they do say, yes, Nintendo will replace it for free or whatever, they're worried. Like people who have the exclusive Joy-Cons or like the the themed ones, they don't want to get either like a replacement of just like, because they say on there like if we can't, there's, I don't want to say exactly because I'll probably be wrong. I don't have the exact terminology, but I remember I'll actually say back in the day when I when I had my Wii repaired, it did state on there that if they're unable to repair, they will replace. All right. So that was very clear on the thing. And in fact, that's what they did with my my Wii when I sent it back. They sent me a basically a brand new one with a new um, serial number and everything. Uh, shout out to Patreon. I actually did a video of my Wii box. I brought out this my Wii box and talked and showed all these all these things, all my receipts of my games. I actually even showed that uh, invoice and receipt of my repair that I had done on my Wii and showed the the model numbers and how different they were and 
all my sealed controllers that I have and all these really cool things like the merch and the SD card I talked about. So yeah, anyway, shout out, shout out to Patreon. If you want to see that, it's exclusive there. Uh, it's an after party. So go check that out. Um, yeah, cool stuff here. Cool stuff. I mean, I don't know that I'd go to that length, but I mean, I understand. I understand the the thinking. I understand the frustration. My Joy-Con is fucked. It drifts. It's terrible. And I hate them. And I need to do something about it. I get it. I understand your frustration. Uh, Alienware is introducing a 360 hertz monitor. What? It's real, son. Wait, what? Bruh. Um, it's a 25-inch 360 hertz monitor with AMD FreeSync and NVIDIA G-Sync. AW2521HF, high refresh rate, 360 hertz IPS monitor targeting the esports community and audience. Um, they're trying to compete with the Asus ROG Swift 360 for gamers. Um, and they, for, for anyone who wants that super high refresh rate, it's going to be in 1080p, of course. Um, and, and it's going to experience, uh, what do I say here? Yeah, 1080p, 360 hertz for those who want to experience it. You're going to need to have a very high, high-end graphics card to be able to do it to 2080 Ti or any of the new stuff that they're going to come out with, but it's going to be the norm pretty soon. It also features a fast one milliseconds response time. Whew. That's what you need, boys. Minimizing latency while its native refresh rate is 240 hertz, Alienware says the monitor can be overclocked to 360. It implies that select units might even be able to go further with some luck. I don't know about that. I think you're pretty good at 240, but 360, holy shit. Um, it's going to be able to deliver 99% sRGB coverage as well as wide viewing angles. Both are weak points for many of the high refresh rate TN panel monitors. There's no word on the sticker price as, as of yet, but um, I'm going to just give you a little word of advice. It's going to be expensive. There's, there's a little food for thought. It's going to be expensive. You're going to have to get in there and try to do a, take out another mortgage on your house just in order to afford it. Who? Phil? Isn't that Bill? Bill? Thank you, Bill. I don't know. I'm just doing a random no, voice. Bill from Wii Sports? Wait, who's Bill? Oh, 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 it is kind of like Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I did a voice. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to get in there and shoot that ball. It's like Hillbilly Bill. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hello, Best Buy. Is that you? I'd like to get one of them TN panels. I'd like to see if I could order maybe a couple of them FreeSync NVIDIA G Sinkers there with that high refresh rate. I'm looking for a 600 refresh rate your monitor there. Uh, Best Buy. Hello? You there? They hung up on me. Hello? This is Bill. Hello. <laughs> okay. Let's make it stop before everyone tunes out. Oh, too late. Yeah. I already got the joke in before you did. He was going to say it. What? what, mate? What? Becky, let me smash. Let me smash. Please. Uh, the first 8 terabyte M.2 drive is arriving soon. Sabernet, Sabernet, the Saber. Sabernet is launching a massive 8 terabyte M.2 drive. M.2 are the, uh, they look like a stick of RAM. And they're actually a little bit smaller than a stick of RAM, but they look like RAM and they they go into an M.2 slot. This is the new storage medium. This is for people who aren't complete geek nerds like me who don't know this. 
new motherboards or computers have an M.2 slot. Some have even more than just one, but there's like a stick of RAM. You slide it in, you clip it in, and it, that's it. And that is your storage. It's like there's no cables. The storage goes right directly connected to the motherboard. It's extremely fast. It's SSD, solid state drive, flash memory. Boom. Queues up fast. It's directly connected. It's awesome. So with that, uh, they're releasing an eight terabyte version. This is the largest that we've seen so far as of recording this. There's no pricing on it yet, of course, but I have some comparisons that we can look at. Um, it's actually twice the capabilities of whatever's on the market right now. The biggest that you can buy right now as of recording this, this will be funny in like 20 years or 10 years when I come back and be like, whoa, we're talking about eight terabyte? Well, we're at like 200 terabytes now. No problem. Um, the, where's my, I just lost my notes. Where'd it go? The largest is a four terabyte rocket Q and it costs $750 at Newegg right now. So half of the cost of this new one is $750 right now on Newegg. So what are your predictions? I say 12 to 1300 bucks, which would still be a deal. If you look at cost per dollar per terabyte, right? But I do feel that that's going to... I mean, who... Fuck, man. That's a lot of money for for uh, 8 terabyte. But let me just tell you, I actually... I'm going to say something. I would be interested, not at paying twelve or 1300 but I, I wouldn't be able to. But I am interested in getting something like this down the road for my, my main rig here. Why? Because between my solid-state drives... This is something I just recently did. We have a topic uh, a little bit later about uh, backing up stuff. I have one, two, three, four. Uh, what is it? It's no, hold on. It's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. I have 10, 10 terabytes between my backup drives, my onboard drives, and uh, a standard SATA. Um, two terabyte external, 10 terabytes, and I have about 80% of it taken up right now. Between videos I'm producing, podcast stuff, backups, all that sort of thing. So like getting an eight terabyte M.2 drive to slap in my rig, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, it makes a lot of sense. I would pretty much put that as my main drive for all of my video editing and audio editing and stuff like that. So yeah, like I get it. I get it. And it's probably aimed not necessarily 100% at gamers. Like that could when we start to talk about 8 to 10 terabytes of storage, we're starting to approach, you know, content creators and people that that need a lot of space um, on their drives. But then again, ha, when you play fucking Call of Duty and it's 200 gigs and then you got 20 gig updates every week, I mean, hell, maybe you're just trying to aim it at Call of Duty players. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty cool. But again, the future of technology is really exciting. And I think exciting to me because the prices are going to come down. The technology is advancing. And we, again, I've talked about this. We've kind of hit that plateau, right? Kind of hit that plateau to where we're now going to like, it's gotten so good. You can go spend, honestly, you can go spend a thousand dollars on a, on a, on a nice piece of hardware. And I say nice piece of hardware, like a PS5, a Series X, some controllers, some games, you know, you'll 
look, folks, you're like, oh, the console's four ninety nine or three ninety nine, bro. You're gonna spend eight hundred bucks by the time it's all done. You're getting your pro controllers, you're getting your games, you're getting your accessories, you're getting your online subscription. Like at the end of the day, you end up spending a thousand dollars is a good benchmark number if you're gonna get into gaming to be prepared for. Just straight up, that's just the way it is. You want some VR or something? Boom, here we are. Okay, now we're going over that line. You know what I mean? So got to start putting that in perspective. But it, even in like PC gaming, you can spend a thousand bucks and get a, a great and very decent gaming rig for around a thousand bucks. You can, you really can. And then, you know, but then if you're going to spend a thousand, you might as well just save up a little more and, you know, really do it upright. But you're pretty much there. Want a good streaming rig or something? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love it. Uh, and finally here, you want to buy stuff from Facebook like you do on Amazon? I don't know. I don't know. But do you? Facebook shops. This is a new thing. It's going to allow sellers to create digital storefronts on Facebook or Instagram. The company said on Tuesday, adding that it would benefit by gathering valuable data on what shoppers want. Folks, they already know what the fuck you want. I can't even talk about Arby's. There, I said it. I said it. My phone's here listening to me. Everything's good. They said, Arby's, I'm going to have a fucking Arby's app. I said it three times now. On my Instagram and Facebook feeds, by the end of the day, guaranteed. Guaranteed. And I wish I could, like, take a screenshot and show you guys, but maybe I will. Um, Not that you care, but you, you already know. You already know. Mark Zuckerberg said in an interview that he had accelerated plans for shops to take advantage of the boom in online shopping during coronavirus, coronavirus crisis. He added that the social media giant would be able to use the data to improve its advertising service. And um, yeah, yeah, of course. They're going to just basically see what you're looking for or searching or shopping for. Like they do, they do it now. This is nothing new. If you browse a shop inside of our app or if you buy something, we will see. And then hopefully, he says, hopefully use that to show you better recommendations for other things that you'd be interested in the future, like a Christmas candle. I'm looking for a Nintendo uh, Nintendo Switch dock, but instead I got a Christmas candle. I love the Christmas candle. Harold, where's the Christmas candle? I can't find it, Harold. Where's the Christmas candle? Are you slapping the Christmas candle, Harold? Don't slap it, Harold. <laughs> Gosh, stop it. Get some help. You guys are out of control. Stop it. Get some help. Let's jump into the phones. Oh, my goodness. We've just crossed the hour line. This is great. This is great. We may have a little longer episode for you, folks. Are you excited? 503-908-5490 is the phone number. I would love to hear any and everything you have to say about gaming, about tech, about random stuff that's going on out there for you. And uh, let's jump into the phones. Let's see uh, if we can get some crazy banter going. Hello? Hello? You've got voicemail. Jason, how's it going, man? Casey Brown, first-time caller, long-time listener. Hey, um, Casey. Admittedly, I'm a little behind on the podcast, but... Little question here for you. Um, so recently, they had uh, just unveiled, um, for example, the new Tony Hawk games that are getting remastered. Huge part of my childhood. Oh yeah, playing through the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. So it brings joy to my heart to see that these are getting remade. Yeah, it's nice. So I guess uh, going forward here, 
um, in light of, you know, all the new stuff coming out about the new PlayStation. What, uh, if any, games that are, uh, you know, out there and about that maybe they haven't done a remaster yet? Seems like they're remastering everything. What would you like to see? Again, I am stoked that they're making the Tony Hawk games. And as always, always praying that they finally make Skate 3. So, thank you so much for, uh, for having this voicemail, voicemail open. Appreciate your time. Casey Brown, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate that. I'm glad to hear from you. Um, yeah, and you know what? When you think about the Tony Hawk stuff, like that's a testament to game, to developers remastering something. Think about the hurdles that are involved with a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. That is licensing city more than anything. Remember, this is during the time when they were using real, like I say real music, a commercial music, I'll say commercial music that was being licensed from, you know, the producers or the labels or the publishers. So yes, like the Tony Hawk one and two, yes, we're going to get it almost complete, but there are going to be some songs that are left out due to licensing issues. But look at the hurdle that they overcame with that. So like, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm excited too, uh, that it's one and two kind of together, sort of blended together. Play that a ton. PS1, N64, man, just like I said last episode, I can just hear the grinding of the skateboards and, and the echo and reverb in the garage and stuff. Like, yeah, definitely uh, childhood memories for sure. So I listened to your question before and I wanted to try to be as prepared as I can. I have a small list of games here. And if you're not watching the video feed, go go check the video feed because I'm actually going to show them here. But um, first one I'm going to show is this one here, MotorStorm, the original MotorStorm. I know that the most recent one came out, I think it was 2010, was uh, the Apocalypse, Motorstorm Apocalypse, which is a great, great game. But again, we're we're at that threshold now. This original, this was a launch game. So this came out, what, 2006, 2005? Yeah, it's like right there. So I would love to see a Motorstorm like HD collection or remaster where it has like all three of the games, the original Pacific Rift, Rift and Apocalypse on it. And maybe even um, the uh, the snow one, the uh, Arctic Edge, which would be really cool. Or even just one, just any. But the problem is, is that Evolution Studios is no more, right? And, and so the team has gone on and done other things. They've disbanded, unfortunately. So the assets are like in limbo. Like, where is it? But when I see things like Tony Hawk come together and I'm like, you know, somebody owns this IP. Somebody owns the assets. Let's get a motor storm going. I want to see another motor storm. How about a couple of these? I'm going to throw you for a loop. Yeah, I'm even talking about a couple of sports games here. Let me get my uh, get my rag and wipe it down a little bit so that it looks presentable. But uh, how about this one? I, I actually went back into the collection just to look at a few games to see, like, what would I really like to see remastered? This is one that came up, ESPN2 Extreme Games. I've talked about this in the past. This was a great, great game. It was a, I think it was either a launch or very close to launch. Yeah, it had to have been a launch title because I remember playing this on the demo kiosk um, at uh, Myron, uh, not Myron Frank, at Sears. There's Sears again coming back. Sears was the hot spot back in the day, I swear to God. Um, but ESPN2 Extreme Games, this is where you could do uh, biking, you could do um, rollerblading, there's luge, there's a bunch of other things, skateboarding even, but you would just ride around um, going through like, uh, you go through jumps and go through gates and it was like, you could like punch and hit. It was almost like, like a wannabe like road rash, but more like the extreme sports but I think that this something like this would do really well today if we did an HD remake and included like 12 or 32 player multiplayer where just everyone is 
grouped up and they're just like, can, can you imagine having a even 16 or 32 player multiplayer rollerblading game where you're rollerblading and you're like trying to take each other out and you have like power ups and you know, like it's just like down the street and you're avoiding cars, like super hardcore. Like that would be dope. I, I would, I would love to see ESPN, even if again, there's licensing, licensing issues, but uh, coming back into that would be great. Another one that would probably be licensing hell, but this one right here on N64, Wayne Gretzky's 3d hockey, dude, I love this game. This is a four player madness. Like all the N64 four player extreme sports or even just sports games like Mario tennis and a couple others. They're so, so fun. NBA jams, NBA hang time. Those are all, all great games. But this one here, hockey games don't get any love. And yeah, sure. They're not the most popular, but dude, this game, if you've ever played Gretzky's 3d hockey, you're, you already know this shit is out of control. I've talked about this game for years. I bring this up not often, but when it's, when it's right to, I do this is some of the best and most crazy four-player, multiplayer, local couch action that I've ever had on the console. This right here, so, so good. So yeah, you'd have to change things up. You probably couldn't use the Wayne Gretzky's name. You probably couldn't use the teams and all that sort of thing. But even if it was like, even if it was like this game without all the names and just generic stuff, it would still be fantastic. But I would love to have, I would say HD remake, but still try to keep how authentic this is by having it kind of be low res. I don't know. I don't know if we could just kind of get a Maybe just a re-release. I don't know. I would love to see it on like a virtual console. Maybe. I don't know. But that, that right there always stands out. And finally the big one, I think this is on everyone's list or if not, it should be <sighs> Nintendo, please deliver us a new HD remake or expansion to F zero Nintendo. Let's go. Come on. Give us F zero. We want it. It's perfect for switch. We could do four player local. We could do online. Think of the possibilities. Come on, Miyamoto. Let's, let's get some shit together. Let's do this. I know he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to take F zero. Don't take it anywhere. Just have it do what it does. Just let us race. All right. You don't need to reinvent the wheel with this. Just fucking release F zero. We need an HD remake of this. Oh my gosh. Or just bring out uh, GX or do F zero X or just do F just do new F zero Mario edition switch edition, you know, new, newer F zero. I don't even care if you have a gimmicky name, like your Mario games, just give us F zero. All right. I'm getting upset now. Just give us F zero. We all want that. <sighs> Thank you for your call. It's good to hear from you. Thank you. Yo, Jason. Chris from Canada here again. What up, Chris? Uh, my question for you this week, um, what do you think is the greatest E3 game reveal trailer of all time? I don't mean everyone's favorite, which going by that standard would be the Final Fantasy VII remake, but just ever. For me, mm. it's got to be the God of War 2018 reveal from the 2016 E3 where uh, they just showed off that game, announced that game. You got to see Kratos with his kid. It was all emotional and epic and over the shoulder and totally different from the other God of Wars. And I was so excited for it. And now it's sitting on my shelf, uh, yet to be played with <laughs> the uh, ton of other backlog games I have. Yeah, it happens. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, God of War for sure. And then uh, I guess my other question for you is... Why don't you bring Stephanie onto the show for one episode? That would be awesome. I know you brought it up in the last podcast kind of as a thought, um, but I wasn't sure if you're serious or not. 
but uh, you should definitely do that. That'd be awesome. So, uh, yeah, uh, what's the best E3 reveal? Later, guys. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Good to hear from you as well. It's funny that you bring up E3 and Stephanie all in the same thing. In fact, uh, I had Stephanie on on a very early episode. In fact, weren't we talking about... We were talking about E3. Weren't we? I think we were talking about E3. Um, it was a two... Was this a two-parter? Or I did a, tra- I did a behind-the-scenes one, too. Go back and look. I, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. But we we did an episode together, and it was fantastic. And to update on that, we did order a USB mic for her that will sit at her desk over there, and she'll be able to turn it on and pop in and say some things uh, when she feels fit to do so, uh, when she's basically talking shit and giving me uh, some jokes. Pretty good. So yeah, so yeah, I, I I've always encouraged her to come on whenever she wants. It's up to her, and uh, we, she, she's just she's over there working right now. And basically, when I record this is when she's working, so she can't actually like step on over to do this. But we'll have a mic set up there, so she'll be able to chime in when she when she wants to. Um, but yeah, um, I can't. You know, man, when I think about E three, and I know Chris, you're gonna be upset with me, but when I think about E three, I I don't really think about the most amazing, epic, tear-jerking, memorable events, I think about all of the fucking awkward memes that came out of these E3s. Like, my... Okay, some of the greatest ones is My Body is Reggie. My Body is Ready. When when they were introducing the We Fit balance board, right? And they were doing a live demo of it. And they came out, and Reggie came out and stood on it, and holy shit, you've seen how big his feet are? They, they hung off the side of the freaking balance board. And uh, it was just really, really a, a great moment, really funny. And also when Miyamoto did the Wii music, when he went up there and like conducted, like what a great concept, but holy shit, that game was just so bad and it just did not work how you you think it would work. And I just remember like all the little me's like going really fast, like, oh, it's terrible. Super, super cringeworthy, but probably, and I know that's why I'm saying you're probably mad at me because I don't have like the most memorable one. But the back in the day, <laughs> and I don't think it was E3. I think they were actually introducing Windows 95. But when Bill Gates went up there with his whole team of engineers and software developers, and they were bringing them out on stage one by one, introducing them, they were playing uh, Rolling Stones, and they were up there dancing. And it was the most awkward... Oh, my gosh. I Honestly... I have trouble watching it today. I have secondhand anxiety and secondhand cringe. Watch just watching it alone all by myself. Just sitting there. It's so difficult. But they're like dancing. They're just like clapping. And Bill Bill's all like, yeah, like he's just like dancing, like total cringe. You have to go watch it. Just go to go to YouTube and type in Bill Gates dancing reveal like windows reveal whatever keywords and you'll find it it's it's absolutely horrifying it's good to hear from you glad you're doing well thanks again for the call <laughs> hey what's up jason cameron johnson here mr maniac of the voicemail mr voicemail I have maniac questions for you um first question what uh, as far as your i don't know youtube podcast entertainment, Honey House Entertainment career, and even going back to the EMU years. Old school. Um, I'm just kind of curious, what are some of your most memorable moments? Uh, maybe some uh, events that happened or, I don't know, comments. I don't, just 
just curious if you have any specific moments that um, you kind of look back fondly mm-hmm. as uh, milestones in your uh, your entertainment venture. Um, second question: What uh, what was the longest game, or have you had a game that you've you started playing and kind of played on and off for years until only to finally beat? Um, I'd say my one example of that, or that I can think of off the top of my head, maybe the most important was when I finally beat Final Fantasy three. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and that was a game that I actually traded, uh, NHL hockey for the game gear to my cousin for way back in the day when those were of comparable price. So yes, that was in the nineties. <laughs> um, yeah. and I probably took about 10 years to beat it. I think I ended up beating it in college. Finally, that's a good trade. <laughs> so I good took trade. My, my uh, super Nintendo and, I think it was 2005, and that was a really, really cool moment. I took a picture of the of the the end screen, and even got a tattoo of Kefka from the final battle. Um, I thought that was such a cool, cool moment. Anyway, won't keep you any longer. Have a great uh, week, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Cameron, so good to hear from you. Appreciate that. I'm actually pulling up my phone to see if I still have the video on here. I don't think I do. I think I've archived it. We took a picture of this when we completed the game, finally. For me, it's been years in the making. It was the first time for Steph and the first time for my brother CJ as well. I don't have it in here, unfortunately. I absolutely have a... I'll answer your second question first. Super Mario RPG. I played that originally when it came out. Never got to complete it and beat the game. But we did it when we were at Portland Retro Gaming Expo, staying with my brother in Portland there. Um... 2016, Steph, do you think? I don't know, 2017? No, 2015, maybe. It was maybe even earlier, 14? Yeah, 2014, 2015. It was early on. It was, yeah, because I don't even think I was doing Game On then, actually. I don't even remember talking about it. It was early. But anyway, irrelevant. 2014, we were there, um, and we played this surprisingly, on my brother's virtual console on his Wii. And we played through the whole game. I remember we stayed up late many, many nights. What, three, four nights? We were grinding out. Steph was running around. I I have video of it. It was so funny. The music, so great. Everything's lovely. But I took a a, a video of the ending credits and just being like, wow. Like, we actually did it. We finally did it. And that game is absolutely pure bliss. It's wonderful. And all the way through, it was a ton of fun. So that that one stands out to me for sure because that's one. And one I haven't finished is Chrono Trigger. I still cannot seem to get through that damn game. It's been it's been 25 years. I still can't seem to just sit down and get through it. But uh, Mario RPG, we absolutely, absolutely did. Um, to answer your second question, this now I can spend a lot of time here. I'm not going to. This is the exact reason why I created the Patreon after party. Your question here is a prime candidate for the after party there. So I'll I'll talk about a few highlights here, but I'm going to actually do an after party talking about this exactly. Some memorable moments, um, highlights of the career, things that have have, have gone right, things that have gone wrong. In fact, this month, I'm going to already do one talking about my streaming and how that began and the highs and lows of that and my experience with that. But I'm going to roll in another one uh, that's going to be talking all about the, the career. Now, before I talk about some highlights, my 10-year retrospective episode I did here on the podcast, 
I think it's starting to show up more on people's feeds because I'm starting to get more people writing in saying like, Hey, I just listened to this. And like, like my home, like I'll, I won't say his name. I don't want to embarrass him, but it, it's really okay. Cause I cry all the time. I'm very emotional, but I had a friend of mine uh, text me and say, Hey, I listened to your tenure just recently. Like I finally got around to it and um, I could not listen to it at work. I had to pause it. And after work, I went out to my car and I cried. Like I cried listening to it. Like, I get what you're saying. Like I'm going through a similar thing like that. And I had another, uh, another friend, uh, Sheriff Willie on Twitch. He just last night came through and said, Hey man, listen to it. Like I'm going through a similar thing. Like I'm going through some shit right now. I'm moving out. Like he gets it. Right. So I've had kind of this kind of resurgence of people going back to the 10 year episode. And that means so much to me, folks. So thank you. I'm really glad that you're moved. Um, by just me talking about, my life and the stuff that I've gone through. And hopefully we can work through things together. Like it helps you. Um, it gives you some um, inspiration and confidence and the ability to, to push forward and, and do great things. And that's all I ever really want. So, um, but if you haven't listened to 10 year, check it out. I, I, I definitely, I think that's kind of a high, that that's, that's one big highlight that's more recent that just happened and uh, really happy for that. Now, Cameron to answer a few of your questions. On that, oh my gosh. Um, well, just starting to put myself out online was a huge step. It took um, many, many months, if not an entire year of me planning to do my YouTube uh, endeavor um, with my audio and video and high production value and podcast radio style and high quality audio and high quality video and reviews and doing things, doing things my way, a different way. That took a long time. So starting out was great. Um, but also like my very first comment, I've talked about this before, Candy Red Spider-Man. I remember the guy, that was his name. And his first comment on my very first video that I ever got on YouTube was dope. That's what he said, dope. That was it. And uh, was super excited. And he, he went on to continue to do that for like at least a couple of years before I, he vanished. I don't know where he is. But uh, yeah, that was cool. I remember my first comment. I remember getting uh, some of my very first subscribers back in the day. I remember hitting 2,000 subs and I did a 2,000 subscriber video where I made a, um, a, a custom label on a game. I made a Super Nintendo game with a custom label and um, I gave it away. Uh, I don't remember who won it, but I did ship it out to them. I wonder if they still have it. Um, and I also did a, like a plaque a really cool like EMU review 2000 subscriber plaque. And um, I gave those out too. my friend. Andy has one. he posts, he actually posts pictures of it on discord from time to time. Really, really cool stuff there. And that was when I started to, I wanted to try to show people that I'm not just like someone who's doing game reviews. Like I actually have entertainment that I'm trying to offer music content. I was beginning to get into my live streaming at that point and I wanted to showcase that. So I did a live stream with my, actually my turntables that I still use right here, my DJ setup that's in there. Um, I did a little like song and I tried to, and it tried to slowly introduce like, Hey, I'm a musician and I do music and you know, I, I, I make music and make beats and I rap and I sing sometimes and I do this like other stuff. And so I was trying to slowly incorporate that and sort of try to show that at 2000 subs is when I did that, which was a big milestone. And finally, I'll say when I was on camera for the very first time with Gamester 81, this is something that I did not plan on it. We went to Bookman's. He was going to show me this video game music store and he brought a buddy along with a camera and I was like, cool, whatever. We're just going to go hang out. Once we parked, like the moment we parked in the parking lot, he goes, Hey, do you mind being on camera? We're going to film. I'm like, uh, 
okay. I wasn't expecting it, dude. I had like my Hawaiian shirt, you know, uh, Hawaiian punch shirt on. And it was like, okay, let's just do it. Fuck it. Whatever. We got out of the car from the moment I got out of the back seat. He just started rolling tape and you'll see it like that. That video um, is online. It's on my YouTube channel. And in fact, at the end of that shoot, I said to, I said to John, I said, can I have the footage for that? I'd love to edit a version for my channel to have. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, cool. So his buddy sent all the footage to me after. And then I spent the next day or whatever editing together kind of this like promo, like almost MTV crib style, like fast jump cuts, zooming forward, reverse. I was actually testing myself, experimenting and having fun with like a new style of editing. And um, I liked it. It was very almost, it was kind of aggressive and up in your face, but it was fun. I liked it. And so I uploaded it. Cool, whatever. John watched it and he goes, can I use it for my channel too? I love it. I want it. He goes, I was just going to just throw up the video just as is, but he goes, I, I would love to use it. I said, yeah, go for it. I sent it to him. He uploaded it. And then people went fucking ballistic. They're like, what the fuck is this video? His channel was not used to having that in your face, flashy music's pumping, like games. Oh God, back reverse forward, like funny. Like his is very much his early videos. Like a lot of, a lot of uh, early YouTube videos are like webcam in a dark room talking about Nintendo games. Right. And then all of a sudden he gets this video and it was just like shock. And his community was like, Whoa, like, no, I don't, I don't know about this. I, I do not like this. And so I remember that was the first time that was really the first time I was getting a, like a lot of hate from, from a different community, but I was like, well, no, 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 I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm with you guys. I, I love all of you guys. Like I watch his videos too. Like, you know, what are you talking about? And then, you know, we went on to do the podcast and stuff. And so that was like, I was really bummed out about that. And I was like, fuck, like no one liked it, you know, no one liked it, but it was not the right setting and theme for his, his channel, his theme, which I, you know, you look back on and you're like, okay, I get it. But, uh, yeah, but then again, that's just me always pushing the envelope, pushing what I'm capable of doing and trying new things, trying to reinvent, trying to further and have fun also while doing it, trying not to keep things too stagnant. Um, even back then. So I know that was super long winded and the podcast has gone super long winded here, but Hey, absolutely a blast, um, going back, but check out Patreon, uh, because I'm going to do, I'm going to do some after parties talking about all this sort of thing when it comes back to story time. Yeah. Best Buy. I like to talk about a few stories. You got yourself a new webcam from Logitech. Like to talk about a few Logitech webcams. I like to broadcast in 480p if I could from my room. With no lights, just just the lights from the TV, the static. Patreon.com slash Jason Heine. I want to thank everyone. The ground floor, main floor, and the game lofters. Y'all are amazing. Round of applause. Thank you for your support. Folks, as always, like I said before, this podcast is completely funded and supported by the people you see right here on your screen. If you enjoy this episode, if you enjoyed any of the content, even at just five bucks a month, that gets you into the main floor where you see the after party is happening. And then the game loft, you get all kinds of great stuff, including my entire music discography. Yep. Yeah. I basically give it, I give it basically for free. All the music just, you can have it. Winner. Winner. Round of applause. Brandon, George, Aaron, Weldon, Tammy, Luke, Ryan, and Justin up there on the game loft, giving that verbal shout out. Thank you. All of you. Uh, I think we're just going to wrap it up. Call it a day. It's been fun. It's been a blast. Um, 
Yeah, HeineHouse.com. Thanks for listening. Hope you had a good giggle and chuckle. And I hope uh, to see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for being here. Much love to you. Good night. Winner. You know it! Winner.